Well, hello, friend. How are you doing today? Hope you're well. Myself, I'm feeling fantastic. I've got a fresh cup of coffee in front of me and five jazz compositions for you to enjoy. This is Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 61. Now, I know I promised to get this to you sooner, but sometimes, as you well know, life gets in the way. So, today we're going to start things off with a recent release from the album, For Adults Only, the Joris Deep Quintet, featuring David Hazeltine and Bruce Cox. This is their interpretation of You Don't Know What Love Is. Thank you. 
recorded live. Very live, as you can tell by that, at uh, Small's Jazz Club. Sorry, I keep bumping the microphone with my headphones. I apologize, I don't mean to do that. Small's Jazz Club at uh, 183 West 10th Street in Greenwich Village, New York. It was just recorded, um, I don't have an exact date, but I think it was only a couple of months back. I'm trying to find the, the actual recording date, and I'm on the record company's website and can't even find it. Nevertheless, great record. Absolutely brilliant. Might have to change my headset so I don't continue to bump the mic stand, because that's really annoying now, isn't it? I know the last thing you want in your ears is the sound of a banging sound, a loud crash. This is supposed to be a calming, relaxing, mellow jazz show, and I aim to give you that. Now, Joris is originally from uh, the Netherlands, if uh, if his name didn't indicate that. I have, I have uh, featured him in the past and talked about him. He's originally from The Hague, and he's been on the scene since the early 1990s. Very well-respected and revered jazz bass player. He studied music at the uh, Conservatory of Amsterdam in 1992 and moved to New York City. That's where he recorded his first album as a leader in 1993 with uh, tax, tenor sax player Don Braden as co-leader and side, uh, sideman trumpeter Tom Harrell, along with pianist Cyrus Chestnut and Carl Allen on the drums. The composition you just heard is, uh, as I said, an interpretation of... Uh, a song originally written by um, Gene DePaul and Don Ray. I lost my place in my notes there for a second. I apologize. Also featured on that record, are, um, on that particular composition, are uh, David Hasseltine on piano and Bruce uh, Cox on the drums. Other compositions on the record feature Chris Potter. as uh, He plays soprano, alto, and tenor saxophone. Quite a great record, and, and absolutely, like I said, very, very live. Many of the recordings you can hear from the Smalls Jazz Club are streamed live online. You can pay a small fee to watch uh, live performances. It's a small subscription fee. I'm not sure what the, the amount is, but it's, it's, not, it's not outrageous. And, uh, yeah, you can... Uh, you can watch archive videos and live performances. The revenues generated from the, the subscription are split with the artist. Now, it's a small club. Um, maximum capacity is 74 people. So if you want to go see a band, the entrance fee is $20 US, which, really, to see live music, <laughs> that is nothing. First set begins at 7.30 p.m. And uh, there used to be all-night jazz sets, uh, sessions, but... Uh, now there's only two or three sets per night. They used to start at 10.30 p.m. and run till 6 in the morning. Some brilliant players have been there. club had to close back in uh, 2003 after the um, attendance kind of de- declined from the uh, September 11th attacks, along with the uh, indoor smoking ban that was uh, brought on by then-Mayor um, Michael Bloomberg, which, you know, at the time was... Difficult, but uh, most most uh, individuals that go to jazz clubs or nightclubs or restaurants or pubs these days, even smokers appreciate the non-smoking ban or the smoking ban, I should say. <laughs> A non-smoking ban would mean you could smoke. They appreciate the smoking ban because, uh, well, it's just a much more pleasant atmosphere. Anyway, Yoris T.P. David Hazeltine and Bruce Cox. David Hazeltine, uh, Hazeltine, I guess Hazeltine. Um, He's 10 years older than me, he's 63, he'll be uh, 64 in October, From originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He's been on the scene since 1980. Yeah, he actually uh, was uh, fortunate enough to uh, perform with Chet Baker at the Milwaukee Jazz Gallery. Chet suggested that he move to New York City, and he did so in 1981. Yeah, he went back to Wisconsin, uh, I guess, after a few years, 1984, I think it was, where he uh, went to the uh, Wisconsin College Conservatory of Music and uh, was the chairman of the jazz department there from 1985 to 1992. 1992, he returned to New York City. 
Now, Joris, uh, Joris, I should say, Joris, uh, J-O-O-R-I-S, J-O-R-I-S, sorry. I believe it's pronounced Joris. Um, if anybody out there in, in mixed cloud land cares to inform me, yeah, currently resides in Teaneck, New Jersey, and he has, he's a, as a band leader, he has been featured on uh, uh, 20, uh, no, sorry, 11, 12, 14, 14 albums as a jazz leader, and about another dozen as a sideman. This uh, most recent record is really, I, I really like it. It's very laid back, mellow, and easygoing, which is, you know, what I, uh, what I shoot for in this program. Okay. This next composition is from a young man uh, from uh, New York City. Um, he, he's uh, a vibraphonist, a composer, and a music educator. Uh, a young man, Joel Ross. This is, uh, composition is called uh, Guilt. Thank you. 
Well, most critics have stated the, the obvious, that this young man is going to be around for a very long time and will be shaping jazz for the next several decades. At only 25 years of age, he has a very long career ahead of him. Now, that composition was um, from his latest album, The Parable of the Poet, which was released uh, just a couple of days ago, 15th of April, 2022. Quite something. Spectacular record from uh, a very talented and basically America's best, uh, most talented vibraphonist. As I said, he's an uh, educator, a composer, and a musician. He started out playing the drums when he was a young boy. And he says, you know, truth be told, my older brother was a better drummer but I'm the one who went into music. <laughs> he's, uh, uh, he's, well, an interesting man. That's just, that's just to say this from the least. He has three full-length albums um, on the Blue Note record label, Kingmaker, Who Are You, and this latest release, The Parable of the Poet. I really like his music. And uh, he, he, he really setting the jazz world on fire, but he's got other artists that are interested in working with him. He was recently released, uh, recently interviewed by uh, super producer Don Waz. If you know who that is, you know that that's uh, rarefied air that he is now moving about in. Now, Joel is a... Uh, faculty member at the Manhattan School of Music. He's, uh, well, he's definitely got his fingers on the, uh, the vibe, pardon the pun, of the vibraphone. He's going to be influencing uh, young musicians for a long, long, long time. I like where he's going, I like what he's doing. Interesting young man. Uh, he's got a cool style. Every photo I find of him online, he's wearing a toque. So it's like, are you Canadian too, bro? I, I know you're not. I, I know you're from, originally, I believe, the south side of Chicago, but you know, they do get cold winters there, so a toque does make sense. But it's like, dude, one would swear you're, you're Canadian. Okay, maybe Canadian. Maybe I'm just wishfully thinking, okay? I need a, a, a sip of my coffee here. Just give me a second. Black gold goodness. All right. Next composition is from a gentleman by the name of Xavier Davis, and the title is Quiet Corner. Enjoy. I know I will. Thank you. 
Xavier Davis, an incredibly talented musician, pianist extraordinaire, and he's been featured as a sideman on somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 recordings, working with some of the biggest names in jazz today. He's discovered basically by Betty Carter. I guess she he uh, he was performing with his college ensemble at the uh, 1994 International Association of Jazz Ed- Educators Convention in Boston. Betty Carter caught his performance and took him to New York with her to, with her trio. Uh, he he recognizes um, Juilliard Jazz faculty chair and drummer Carl Allen, James Williams and Billy Hart as his mentors. And he's worked with some of the biggest names in jazz, Freddie Hubbard, of course, Betty Carter, Stefan Harris, Wynton Marsalis, Don Byron, Nate, uh, sorry, Nat Adler, boy, spit it out, Paul, Nat Adderley. <laughs> Along with, well, like I said, a, a, a veritable who's who of the industry. Gentlemen, this, uh, well, this, the composition you just heard was released at, solely as a single uh, just a couple of weeks back on the 5th of April of this year. Now, he's, he released singles quite regularly and always has the same album art cover, so I would guess that at some point we're going to have a full-length record from him. He only really has two full-length albums as a band leader, um, Dance of Life, recorded, I believe, in 1999, and Innocence of Youth in 2001. He's a young man. He was born in 1971 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, so that would make him uh, anywhere from 50 to 51, because I don't have his exact birth date. It's hard to find a lot of information about the man, to be honest. But uh, Quiet Corner, I really like that uh, composition. And uh, it is an original and I'm, I'm quite sure that we'll be hearing a lot more from him in the near future. I'm told there's about a hundred songs that are very similar to that. A hundred? Wow. That's interesting. Quite the talented pianist, for certain. He has worked with um, the Black Art Jazz Collective, which is a, a, an ensemble that I've featured on this show in the past, and I will again. He's uh, really, really beginning to come into his own as a uh, a band leader. I guess currently he um, is a faculty member at the Michigan State University Jazz Program, and he joined that in 2014, and he's he's still there. He's currently the uh, associate professor of jazz piano. So, between composing, performing, and teaching, I'd say this gentleman has a rather full plate, to say the least. Okay, I'm going to play a composition from uh, uh, a couple of artists that I've never featured before. It's the the Modern Jazz Trio. I featured them, but um, Carl Martin Almqvist, I hope I pronounced that correctly. He's a sax player, and uh, I've never featured him before, so this is a first. This composition is titled O.D. Read into that whatever you will. Thank you. 
on that. My goodness, I, I must need another cup of coffee. Certainly would seem that way. This was uh, a reinterpretation of a song he originally recorded, or a composition he, he wrote and recorded in 2006. This is from the album Carl's Martin, Carl Martin Omkus Meets the Modern Jazz Trio. That was recorded live at the, uh, the Bat Cave. <laughs> I'm not kidding, that's what it's called. Um which is a jazz club in uh, in Stockholm, Sweden, where she, which is where he, or sorry, Malmo, Sweden, Malmo. Uh, he, he grew up, he was born in Karlstad and grew up in Malmo and then lived in New York City for about two years back in the early 90s. Returned to Malmo in 96, and in 98 he uh, took up residence in Stockholm, where he currently resides. This record was recorded before a live audience, being that it's Sweden a very quiet live audience, which I think is pretty cool. 
was recorded on a Monday night, March 28th, 2022. So we're talking about some pretty fresh recordings here. Again, uh, he did originally record that back in 2006, but this is a reinterpretation with uh, Jerry Bagonzi and the Modern Jazz Trio, which I think is quite frankly very, very cool. I need to correct that. The pub is not called the Bat Cave. It's called the Family Pub. And the the recording is called the Bat Cave Sessions because I guess um, that would be the record label. Terribly sorry about that. Sometimes I get things mixed up in my notes. It's, It's hard to keep it all straight in my head, which is, you know, why I keep notes because I am only human and I am going to make a lot of mistakes because, you know, that's kind of what I do. <laughs> so that record is, uh, well, it's quite quite spectacular from start to finish. And as I said, it was only released recently um, as it was recorded live. I, uh, I'm going to enjoy that today, actually. I'm not going to lie to you. I will sit down and listen to it in its entirety later today. Once I finish this show, I've got a few things to do, you know, as... Life can get quite busy for us at times, and I did not accomplish nearly as much as I wanted to on uh, the other day because I uh, I woke up at 4 a.m. and could not get back to sleep. Thankfully, it was a Saturday at the time, so, you know, not like I would be late for work or anything like that, or, or not be able to function properly at work, but Saturday was a bit of a write-off, you know, when you... You wake up feeling hungover and have no reason to be hungover. If I'm going to feel hungover, I want to have at least earned the right to feel that way, right? Does that make sense? Anyway. Carl Martin Obquist and the Modern Jazz Trio. O.D. Not sure what the um, reasoning behind that song title is. I can't find any information on it. Like I said, it was recorded back in 2006, but I I really, there's not a lot of info about it, other than it's recording. But maybe he just wanted to be a little bit uh, mysterious. Nevertheless, great composition. Okay, I have one more track for you today, one more composition by the late, great Dexter Gordon. Passed away in 1990 at the age of 67. He was uh, known as a jazz, jazz swing, well, sorry, swing, bebop, and hardbop artist. And he worked with a who's who of the bebop era. Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell, Lester Young, Sonny Rollins, and John Coltrane. He was a major influence on both Sonny Rollins and John Coltrane. And uh, they said they were really, you know, blown away by his hard bop and modal playing during the 1960s. There's um, a photograph of him taken during a, a smoke break at the Royal Roost in 1948, and it's one of the most iconic images in jazz photography. Cigarettes were a recurring theme on, on many of the covers of, uh, of his albums. You can find that photograph if you do a little bit of digging. You may have seen it before. If you're a jazz fan like myself, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So tell you what, let's get right into the composition. And then when I come back, I'll tell you a little bit more about the late, great Dexter Gordon. This is I'm a Fool to Want You. Mm-hmm. 
Thank <laughs> you.
composition was recorded in 1965 on the Blue Note Records label at the Van Gelder Studio in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. And it sat on the shelf until its release in 1979. Why it was shelved for so many years, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a, uh, an explanation as to why that took place, but sometimes that's the way the music business goes, right? Trust me when I say this, there are vaults and vaults of music that has been recorded that is owned by either studios or record labels or individuals and not the artist, and uh, we'll never hear them, which is rather sad because Lord knows how much good stuff there is out there that we'll never hear for whatever reason. Hmm. Now, that composition was originally written by three artists, uh, Joel Heron, Jack Wolf, and, believe it or not, Frank Sinatra. Now, the version you just heard is a remastered version um, from a uh, compilation album titled Ballads, which was released, um, I think it was just in the last four or five, uh, 2006? I'm not sure. When was that released? Oh, no, my goodness, I was way off. <laughs> 1991. So many notes in front of me, I, make, I do make mistakes. That's okay, I leave them in because A, I'm only human, and B, I'm, this is free content, so I want it to be as natural and authentic as possible. I, uh, I've said time and time again, the only things I'll really cut out would be, you know, a fire engine, a police siren, a loud noise, a knock at the door, or, you know, if I have to cough or sneeze, because nobody wants to hear that, right? So Dexter Gordon was, um, like I said, a bebop, hard bop, and uh, modal jazz artist who influenced, my goodness gracious, an absolute who's who of the industry. And he passed away from um, kidney failure and um, cancer of the larynx. So let that be a lesson to you. Smoking is very bad for you. A couple of interesting facts about Mr. Gordon that you might not be aware of that I think I'll, I'm going to share with them you here. I'll share, share them with you here today. His uh, maternal grandfather was uh, Captain Edward L. Baker, and uh, he received the Medal of Honor during the Spanish-American War while serving with the uh, 10th Cavalry Regiment. That regiment was also known as the Buffalo Soldiers which was the title of one of my favorite um, Bob Marley compositions. Now, his father, uh, Dr. Frank Gordon, M.D., was one of the first uh, prominent African-American physicians and a graduate of Howard University. He had a total of six children um, altogether, and some were born in uh, uh, Stockholm and Copenhagen because he lived in Denmark for a number of years. Here's another interesting fact that'll connect you to modern music. Well, modern pop music, I guess. Or harder rock-edged music. Oh, who's kidding? It's metal. When he lived in Denmark, he became uh, good friends with the family of uh, Lars Ulrich, the drummer of Metallica. And, well, he was Lars' godfather. Now, Lars did always, you know, talk about jazz music. But the connection was not really commonly made. Now, Dexter um, is featured on somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 recordings. And as a, as a uh, band leader, my goodness, he must, uh, he must have at least 100 and change himself. As a sideman, well, he's, my goodness, the list is long and distinguished. He was a great player. And he is missed. Okay, we have come to the end of today's show. I hope you've enjoyed it. I really enjoyed putting it together for you. And uh, I hope wherever you're listening to this that uh, you're healthy and happy and this has brought you some uh, peace and relaxation because that's, that's what I am to do with this. All right, I will bid you adieu and I will have a new show for you 
in the coming days. I don't know if it'll be a week or so, but we'll see. Time will tell. My schedule's been rather busy lately. Anyway, until we meet again, take care.